Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If y'all will take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we are going to jump back into this. And while you're doing that, I have some baptismal certificates to uh, hand out. All right. Cole Massey, come on down. Everybody. I thought they were out of town. I don't know if they're back yet, though. Abigail Cardenas? Are they back? Are they still out? Still out? Okay. Uh, Emma Jean Cook. <laughs> I like you, brother, but I really wanted to see her come get it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I could have, I could have. I know. I, well, I didn't know she'd be in here. Um, all right. Ziva and Trinity Green. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's why I said, oh, boy. Thought I got it backwards. All right, so um, we're going to get back into our edu- uh, encourage you, educate you, encourage you um, study. Last, last week we were talking about uh, a couple of very important things. The first thing was God's election and extension of grace to all uh, brings comfort to the redeemed. And then the second point was we must live out sincere faith in order to see maximum effectiveness in the gospel ministry. And so... Um, very important um, tonight, hopefully be encouraging, but also very challenging uh, in what we see. So let's pray, and we'll get into this. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for allowing us to, uh, again, worship you, gather together in your name, and uh, to be encouraged, be strengthened, uh, unified in your word. And, and Father, I just pray that that's what would go on tonight, that your spirit would have full reign, uh, you'd use me as a vessel, and that you would get all the glory from it all, Lord, that we would be Uh, receiving of your word, receiving this message, and uh, applying it in our lives where we need to. And again, we thank you for this time, and we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we move on to chapter 2 this evening. We're going to begin in verse 1. For yourselves know, brethren, uh, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. So once again, the Apostle Paul reminding the Thessalonian believers uh, the sincerity in which they were coming to them, the sincerity in which they shared the gospel with them. Again, we saw that last week as one of the points. But he was very clear, very clear, that they wouldn't have gone through what they went through, even in Philippi, for no reason. And again, if you think about what they went through, and we'll see in just a, in, in a minute, uh, what they went through in Philippi leading up to Thessalonica, and then in Thessalonica, what they went through to share the gospel with them. 
um, it, it showed some very sincere motives. It showed some um, very important things that I think we can learn from uh, in that. And, and here's, here's one of the main things. This is point number one, uh, is that, that their actions clarified their motives. So we need to ensure that our actions clarify our motives. And um, so again, the things that Paul and his missionary team were doing there among the Thessalon, uh, Thessalonians showed that they had right motives, showed that they had sincere motives, showed that they were doing what they were doing, not for themselves, not for anything selfish or, 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 or anything greedy, um, but it was for the kingdom of God and that specifically. And so tonight, uh, I've got four things that I, I believe we see in Paul's team. Uh, they're the things that they showed, the actions that they had, uh, that will help us hopefully to kind of evaluate our actions, evaluate our motives, what we're doing, why we're doing it. Uh, whether it's serving the Lord in ministry here or it's sharing the gospel, just living our lives, uh, clarifying our motives through our actions. So if we have right motives, number one, we will be committed. And again, if uh, that's just, I believe, a truth. If you have a right motive in what you're doing, you can stay committed to it. Now, there's a lot of people that aren't doing things even for God with the right motive, and so they have a hard time staying committed to that. And if that's where you find yourself tonight, say, man, I'm just having a hard time staying committed to this, then you've got to look back and see if, that, if your heart is in it for the right thing. Are you wanting man's applause? Are you wanting man's attention? You know, why are you doing what you're doing? Uh, because again, I believe commitment shows a right motive. Uh, the second thing is this. If we have right motives, we will be courageous. Um, and uh, that, I believe, means that we will... Trust God for things that may be beyond ourselves, outside of our comfort zone. Uh, we will have the faith. We'll have the courage uh, to do things that God's called us to do, God, that things that God has entrusted us to do. We'll have the courage if our motives are right. Um, the third thing is this. If we have right motives, we will be consistent. Similar to commitment, uh, consistency is key. Uh, consistency is key when we're raising our kids, right? Um, you, you, you flip-flop back and forth with your kids, and it's, it's not going to be a very effective way uh, to raise them. The uh, same thing in our lives as we're living our lives for Christ. If we're not consistent, then people are going to question our motives. They're going to question, are they real? Are they sincere? Uh, consistency shows that. And again, when we're doing something for God, whether it's sharing the gospel or, again, whether it's serving in ministry, being consistent shows I'm doing this for something more than just myself. I'm doing this for the Lord, for his kingdom, for his glory. And then the fourth thing I believe that shows that we have right motives uh, is that we are caring. And so if we have my right motives, we'll be caring. We'll be caring of other people, be caring of, of the things of God. So uh, again, just as a matter of evaluation tonight, you can look in your own heart, you can look at your own life as you're serving God, the ministries that you're a part of, even sharing the gospel, evaluate and say, do I, am I really caring for the people that I'm serving with, the people that I'm serving, whether it's children, whether it's adults, do I really care? Is my heart right? Is my motive right in doing this? Uh, because a lot of times, and, and, and I understand circumstances and situations, trials, tough things can come along the way. Uh, and when I mentioned children's ministry a while ago. I realized that children's ministry can be an extremely difficult ministry at certain times. Um, but if you're doing it for the right motive, uh, then you can have that commitment. You can have the, the courage, the faith to, to press on, to be consistent. And not only, that, keep, not only that, keep the care 
regardless of the circumstances. Did you, did you get that? Keep the care regardless of the circumstances. Again, that's what we see in the Apostle Paul and his team. They were not only displaying that in, in the presence of the Thessalonians, they had these things, but they were reminding them, again, along the way, even in Philippi, this is what they did. This is who they were. They were focused on God. They were focused on his kingdom. They weren't thinking about themselves, and we'll see that. Uh, they were thinking about what God had called them to do. And so his pointing out that they had gone through great persecution, both in Thessalonica and back in Philippi, was further evidence of their right motive. So I want to just get a picture. Some of you already know what happened in Philippi. You, 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 you've been with us when we've studied through Acts. You've studied it yourself, whatever. But Acts chapter 16, you can turn there if you want to. If not, it'll be on the screen. This is what goes on in Philippi, right before they get to Thessalonica. So look in verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. This is commanded to beat Paul and his missionary team. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, again, many of you are familiar with this story. If you're not familiar with this story, I'll tell you what happened. If you know what, what happened, I'll remind you of what happened. Paul and Silas at midnight began to sing praises to God, right? What happens? The, the, the jail starts shaking. Bars start rattling. Falls open. The Philippian jailer panics, thinks that he's going to have to kill himself. Paul says, hey, whoa, 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 don't do yourself any harm. He turns around and asks them, what must I do to be saved? Paul tells him, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, thou and thy house. Goes on, his household gets saved. God delivers them from that prison. He delivers them from that circumstance, from that persecution. Uh, and again, goes on to Thessalonica. And we already know what happens in Thessalonica. They wanted them so bad that they go into this guy's Jason's house, who they thought was holding them up, and pull them, pulls him out in the middle of the city and demands, hey, give us these people. They're turning the world upside down, and they've come to our city too. We want them. We want to destroy. We want to stop them from sharing Jesus Christ anymore. And so again, this is giving us a very good picture of the sincerity, the motives behind Paul and his missionary team. He said in verse 2, We had boldness in our God to declare the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. We had boldness in our God to share, to declare the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. So think about that again. They were doing what God called them to do. They were sharing the gospel in the middle of not ideal circumstances. Matter of fact, he says much conflict. It wasn't just a little difficult. Their lives were on the line. Their freedom was on the line. Everything was on the line for them, and yet they had boldness in God to declare the gospel of God in the middle of it all. Paul makes that motive very, no, very clearly known as he goes on. Look at verse 3 back in our text. He says, For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Listen, he said, look, we, we weren't exhorting you to follow Christ. We weren't giving you these things out of deceit. We weren't trying to deceive you. We weren't trying to do it in unrighteousness for any unrighteous purposes. We weren't trying to uh, get something from you or trick you in any way. But he says, but as we are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak. Aha. Paul's mindset was God had entrusted us. He's allowed us to share the gospel. He's entrusted us with such a high privilege. 
And you hear this all the time from this church, but from me, because that, again, I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face. The Lord takes me home and tells me to stop saying it. But all through Scripture, we see this is the mission of the church. And oftentimes, we see it as such a painful command that's so uncomfortable and so I don't want to be a part of this because it's weird and it's awkward and, and, and it makes me feel insecure. I don't, I, it's hard to talk to people about Jesus. But I think we got it all wrong. And you've heard me, some, heard me say this before. It's a high privilege. We've been allowed of God. We've been entrusted by Almighty God with the gospel of God to share that with people. I know I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to share the gospel that took me from a sinner and, and, and made me a saint. I don't, I don't deserve that. There's nothing good in, in myself. Any righteousness that I have is, is Christ's righteousness. And the same thing for you if you're, you're a Christian. So none of us in ourselves deserve to share the gospel. But God has allowed us. He's entrusted us with such a high privilege. And that's what Paul's saying. So listen, we didn't come to try to get something from you. We didn't try to trick you. We didn't come with some unrighteous motive. But we were allowed of God. He entrusted us with something so valuable. And that's why we speak. And even so we speak. Not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words. We didn't try to just pacify you and make you feel good about yourselves and, and flatter you to, to, to win you over to our side. We didn't do that. As you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. We weren't asking anything of you, materially or anything. We weren't asking. God is witness. God knows this. He says, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you. We weren't looking to be exalted of, uh, of God among men. We weren't looking of men to be exalted in God's sight. We weren't doing any of these things when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Again, the motives made clear through the actions of commitment, courage, consistency, and care. As a nurse that takes care of her children. And they weren't looking to, to do anything about taking advantage of the, of the people that they were trying to reach and minister to. They, uh, once again, saw this high privilege of being allowed to share the gospel with people in need. And so that's why they spoke. That's why they shared. That's why they stayed true to the call. Not to please God. I mean, not to please man, but to please God who tests their hearts. And you know, as I study through this again, and we I'm teaching through this and preaching through this again, it reminds me something very clear. Uh, it, it, it brings to surface something very vivid to me right now in 2016, and it's this. Something is missing. Something's missing in, in Christianity today. When we look at this, Again, the Apostle Paul, we just read what was going on in Philippi. We know what they went through in Thess uh, Thessalonica. And he's reminding them that they're having, he's having to defend their motives. The reason why he's having to defend their motives is because they got word that their motives were suspect because their motives were being attacked by those who wanted to silence them. So he's telling them, listen, you have to understand, look at how we lived among you. Look at the things that we did. Remember our speech. Remember our actions. Remember the commitment and the consistency and the care that we showed you. And we continued to share the gospel, regardless of what it cost us. We continued to share how to follow Jesus, regardless of what it meant for us. And when I see that, again, it makes me think something's missing. The question I have is why in, in such a free nation, 
in such a free culture that you and I live in today, do we not see the mission of the gospel the same way as Paul and the apostles did? Did you get that? We, he said, we did this in, in, in the midst of much conflict. In the midst of much conflict, we were sharing the gospel with you. And so when I look at American Christianity today, and I look at uh, the landscape of m- m- many, uh, many churches, I think something terrible is missing. Because we, we don't see the mission of God as the Apostle Paul and his missionary team saw it. That we, we don't see it like, what an amazing privilege we have. We've got to tell somebody. We've got to share somebody. God has afforded this amazing privilege to us. He's allowed us. He's entrusted us with this amazing gospel that saved our soul. We don't see it like that. We see it as a burden. We see it as a pain. We see it as a charge that that's just for the, 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 the really spiritually smart, really biblically smart people to do. Why, when we think about sharing the gospel, do we think about ourselves and not others who need it? See, that's, that's where Paul and his apostles were, his missionary team was. They weren't thinking about themselves. They weren't thinking about what it would, would cost them. They, they, they weren't thinking about what somebody might say about them or whether it was good or whether it was bad. They weren't thinking about themselves. Again, he said, as a nurse cherishes their children, we came and we were, we were caring for you. We were thinking about you. And so my, my, my questions, the, the things when I say something's missing in American Christianity today, in, in, in Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches like ours all around, even us, what, what's, what's so missing that we have such freedom, yet we don't see the mission that God has given us the same way that they, they saw it? The first thought we have many times when we think about sharing the gospel, listen, the first thought many times is us. What are they going to say to me? What if I don't know? We, we think about us. And so what often defeats us in the mission that God has given to us is us thinking about us and not thinking about them. And again, that's what was driving Paul and the apostles. And so it makes me, makes me ask the question, why are we so consumed with pleasing ourselves and not God? Think about that. Paul said, look, we're not striving to please man. We're not, we're not thinking about our own lives. We're, we're, we're seeking to please God. Period. That's, that's who's given us life. That's who's given us eternal life. It's the gospel that brought us to salvation. And so all we can think about is pleasing God. Reaching others with the gospel that saved our soul from eternal damnation. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? In this American culture, what's wrong with us? See, Paul was a man. He was a man that could have been swept away with his own own desires. He was a man that could have been consumed with his own prerogatives and and, and his own insecurities. He, he, He was a man just like we are today. He had the Holy Spirit, like you and I who are saved have the Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit, same power, same same Holy Spirit. 
But Paul was motivated beyond himself. Paul was motivated beyond his comfort. Paul was motivated beyond everything that concerned him. I mean, how how can they go from being beaten and imprisoned to sharing the gospel in yet another city where it was very difficult to share and then just keep going? How how were they able to do that? When, When, again, many of us, it can just be one embarrassing encounter where, where we're trying to share the gospel with somebody and they ask us a question we don't know the answer to. And we said, that's why I don't like to share it because I don't know what the answers are to everything. When we, we start to, to have this conversation with them and we get right up to the point of talking about Jesus and, and we can talk about everything under the sun except for Jesus and the gospel and we stop short of that. And we think, what's wrong with me? Why, why can't I talk to them about how to be saved? I can talk to him about everything else. Why can't I talk to him about that? I just, it's just too hard. It's too tough. Us. We're focusing on us. But I look and I say, how, how can Paul and his missionary teams live their lives like this? Like beating and imprisonment's not going to stop me. I, I'm going to go to another city. They want to kill us. They want to beat us in prison. They, they're, they're dragging people out of their own houses to try to get to us, but we're going to still share the gospel. It makes me think, how can they keep doing this? Well, the Lord put on my heart is Romans chapter 5. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. It doesn't make us ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, listen to this, by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. As I said a while ago, Paul was a man. Paul was a man that had the Holy Spirit. And and if we look at him and his missionary team and, and us in the church today, we see this, this great gap between his motivation and, and his consistency, is his commitment, his, his courage and his care in, in, in carrying out the mission of God. And we see our lives and we say, well, what's mission? If we've got the Holy Spirit in us, why aren't we seeing the same motivation to carry out the mission of God as we saw in Paul and the apostles? Because as he goes on, for we were yet without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man, one will die. Yet for a venture, a good man, some would even dare to die. But God committed his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom now we have received the atonement. The Apostle Paul saw his life as purchased, so unworthy, so he, he had no right to his life anymore. He had no right to say, I want to do this. I don't want to do that. He, he saw that God had given him grace to stand and live in. The Holy Spirit had shed abroad in his heart the love of God. And that's what compelled them to keep going. The love of God given to him, given to us by the Holy Spirit of God. So if that's the case, 
If you and I here in 2017 are Christians, bought by the same blood, justified by the same faith, as Paul was writing in Romans chapter 5 right there, if we're the same as him, if we are the children of God, just like him, commissioned and called to the gospel ministry as the apostle, I realize he was an apostle, but still a part of the church of Jesus Christ. If we have the same Holy Spirit, same power, it's the same love that God had then that he shed abroad in their hearts that he he should have shed abroad in our hearts. So what is it when we don't share the same vision as the Apostle Paul? What is it when we don't share the same vision for the mission of God that so many others have and still do today? What is it? I think there's two things. There's possibilities. When we don't share the same passion and vision for the mission of God as the Apostle Paul and, and, and his missionary team and many others who are passionate about the mission of God today, I think there's one of two reasons that we don't share that same passion. Reason number one is this. We don't really have the Holy Spirit in us. That's, that's only one, one option. So I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that I'm saved and I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. But I don't have the passion the Apostle Paul has for the mission of God. Then it's got to be number two. Number two, we aren't walking in the spirit, but we're walking in the flesh. Galatians tells us that. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The two are against each other. So again, if it's the Holy Spirit that sheds the love of God in our hearts and, and, and motivates the Apostle Paul and his missionary team to regardless of what they go through, to continue to be committed and, and consistent and, and, and courageous and caring of other people beyond their circumstances, beyond themselves, then it's got to be us that are walking in the flesh, wanting to please our flesh and not walking in the Spirit and wanting to please the Spirit. That lives within us. That's the only conclusion that scripture gives us. There's no third alternative. There's, there's no other option when we don't share that same passion. If the same Holy Spirit, same love, same call, same mission, same gospel, same God, same body, all the same. And yet we don't have what they had. It's got to be us. It's got to be us. Maybe for most churchgoers today who are Christians in America. It is number two. It has to be. Because if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. But I think the primary reason that's the case is that we are so spoiled in America. The life that we live, we're so spoiled. That's why when we think about sharing the gospel, that's why we think about ourselves. It's so because we have brothers and sisters around the world that are in the midst of much conflict sharing the gospel, and they're going to prison for it. Pastors that are preaching, regardless of, of, of the, the freedom or the secrecy that they have to do it in, knowing that they may spend the rest of their life in prison and even face the death sentence for that. We have brothers and sisters that are doing that, and yet we have no fear of that in our lives. Not just pastors here in America, but every, every Christian. There's no fear of that. There's no, there's no threat of that. There's not much conflict to be worried about as we think about sharing the gospel. So when we think about sharing the gospel and we don't do it, we don't have that same passion as, the, as Paul and the apostles had, it's got to be because we're spoiled in thinking about ourselves. 
our fear, our insecurities. And I want to say this. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm above any of this. I'm saying us. When we don't do this, when I don't share that same passion as the Apostle Paul, when I don't take the opportunities and, and have that same care as he had, then I, I'm, I'm the same. It's us. Our inconveniences. Which is not really convenient for me to, to do that. Versus the lost soul. Eternally in need. Who we were like before someone cared enough to share with us. We think about ourselves. We think about our stuff and not them. The Apostle Paul and his team had it, back, had it reversed. They were thinking about them. Paul remembered, I, I've been justified. I, I stand in this grace and I have access by faith. God has given me all these things and he's afforded me this great privilege of, of serving him and, and, and giving the gospel. He's entrusted us with this. And, and we've got to reach those people that are still in darkness, that are still lost, because we used to be like them until someone cared enough to share with us. And just because we might have got saved in a church doesn't mean that everybody gets saved in a church. Some may never grace the doorway of a church. And I would contest tonight, maybe the reason why they don't grace the doorway of a church is because they know someone who says they're a Christian but doesn't care enough to share why they go to church. Maybe because they don't see enough Christians whose motives aren't seen through their actions. Maybe they see too many Christians who follow Christ like many bandwagoners of the Cowboys follow them. When everything's good, I'm a Cowboy fan. When everything's bad, I hate the Cowboys. That's a bandwagoner. But maybe that's, maybe that's what the lost are seeing with Christians. Well, they go to church as long as it's convenient for them, as long as everything's working for them. They share the gospel as long as everything is okay. They live their life out like this as long as it's, everything is a, a bed of roses. But if it doesn't work for their schedule, if it doesn't fit into their life, if it's not convenient for them, if it's not comfortable for them, they don't do that. And again, maybe that's the reason why people are saying, I don't really want that Jesus. It's not compelling you to do a whole lot different than what I'm doing in my life. I mean, maybe you don't talk bad, I talk bad. Maybe you don't drink, I drink. But the, in the big scope of things, is that really going to take me to hell? The, the people have had that conversation and thought. What, what sets the children of God apart from the regular person who's living their life? Let's make sure that we take this, this encouragement as a challenge tonight, or this challenge as encouragement, to have right motives made clear by our actions, actions that, 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 are, that are committed, actions that are consistent, that, that are courageous, and again, are caring for others beyond ourselves. And that goes into the next thing, back in our text Verse 8, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not, not the gospel of God only, listen to this, but also our own souls because you were dear unto us. Do you hear what he just said? He said it wasn't just about us giving the gospel of God to you. you we were so desirous of you. We were so wanting you to come to Christ and so wanting you to follow him that we not only were, want to just 
tell you what, how to be saved. We're not just only telling you what Jesus Christ had done for you on the, on the cross and in an empty tomb. It wasn't about that. We were willing to give our lives for you. We were willing to lay down our souls for you. And we know that's the case. That's what they, that's what they went through. And look what he says. He reminds them. For, for you remember, brethren, our labor and our travail. For laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. See, the, the reality is what Paul did here, like in, he did in Corinth as well. Uh, we know that Paul was a tent maker. And, and, and in certain circumstances, whenever his credibility or his motives were called into question, um, Paul would make sure that he and his missionary team weren't asking the church for anything. He, he would make sure that they weren't asking of, of those, those new believers anything or those people in that city anything. They were completely self-sufficient. They came to that town and they wanted to be a blessing to them. They came to that town and they wanted to share with them and give themselves, even if it cost their freedom, even if it cost their life. And so Paul was reminding them, hey, you remember, remember our motives, remember our lives as we lived them in, in your city. We didn't ask anything of you, he said. We, and the reason why is because we didn't want to be chargeable to anybody. We didn't want anybody to come back and say, you know, you know when they were staying here in this town, they were asking me for, for some money. They, they did it in, in the secret place. They did it behind the doors. So Paul said, no, we're not going to put ourselves in any stage. We're not going to ask anything from them. We are going to completely be self-sufficient so that all we do is give ourselves for the gospel of God. They weren't concerned with not burdening the people. They were concerned, again, about giving to them. They were concerned about reaching them. They were concerned about pleasing God. So they toiled, Paul said, night and day, not only in the gospel, but whether it was intent making or whatever they had to do for the cause of God. They gave themselves every day in that cause, every single day, night and day. And they did those things that way so that they would be blameless in the gospel ministry. That's, that's how they came. That's how they served. That's how they gave. They did it so they would be blameless. They gave uh, even of their own souls for the gospel cause because of their love of God and because of their love of people. And point number two tonight is this. Love's genuine expression is giving. Love's genuine expression is giving. And we, we can talk about that in relationships. We can talk about that in, in raising our kids. We see that. And why do we give to our kids? Because we love them. Why, why do we give to our spouse? Because we love them. It's, it's true across the board. Love's genuine expression is giving. Our lives are to be defined by love. Scripture is very clear. As the children of God, we're told to walk in love. Walk in love. What is Jesus said very clearly? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said this. Love your neighbor as God has loved you. The real expression of love for God and for others is giving. And again, not very popular in, in, in American culture. And, and I look around this room and, and I think about our church and we've got an amazing group of givers. And when I say givers, I'm not talking about just financially. I'm talking about of their time, of their talent, 
uh, all kinds of things. There are people that give of themselves and give and give and give and give. But we have to remember that love's genuine expression is giving. Very clearly illustrated in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love's genuine expression is giving. So the question that comes to mind is this. Is our love being expressed to God through giving? You say, I love God. Are you giving to God? Are you giving to God your time? Are you giving him the abilities that he's given to you? Are you giving it back to him? Are you giving the treasure, time, talent, treasure? Are you giving back to God? Because again, that's how love is expressed, is through giving. Is your love for others being expressed through giving? You know, there's different ways that we can give to each other. We can pray for each other. We can, we can connect with each other and we can talk with each other and we can invest in each other. We can re- encourage and exhort one another daily and much, so much more as we see the day approaching. We can remind each other of scriptures. We can encourage each other when we're down. We can give to each other. Again, our time. Somebody needs help. We can go and help them. We can give to them like that. They need money. We can help, give them. If, if God has prospered us in that way, we can do that. We can, give, we can express our love in so many different ways. But are we? The Bible says, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. What's love's genuine expression? Giving. Greater love has no man than this, than if he would give his life for his friends. Love's genuine expression is giving. I read a quote by Tony Evans today, and I've seen many uh, like it before and it's uh, there in your notes he said this if it never costs you anything to follow jesus christ as lord you're not following jesus christ as lord again when when we love him and when we we're following him as our lord we are going to give of ourselves paul said to those people he says we gave of our souls we we gave of our everything we didn't ask anything from you and so tonight if, if god revealed to you and i what our love looks like for him. What evidence would be presented? If God, God said, okay, we're, we're going we're to put you on trial, whether you love me or not, whether you truly love me, and in that trial, what evidence would be presented to show that we truly love God? Because if we really did love God the way we're supposed to, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then he would present all of the time that he's given to us that we've given back to him. He'd present to us all of the abilities that he blessed us with that we're investing into his kingdom and for his cause. He'd present in that trial even of the treasures that he's blessed us with that we've sowed back into the gospel ministry and missions. God would say, it looks like you love me with everything you have because it looks like you can't give enough to me. You're always looking to serve me. You're always looking to share the gospel for me. You're always looking to to invest in others' lives and serve other people. You're always looking how you can give more for for missions, always looking how you can give more so that the gospel is, is, is furthered. You're always looking to do that, and you're not just looking, but you're doing And similarly, if if, if there was a trial 
that we all were put on. And God was the judge, and he were to look at our love for others, the evidence that would be present, what it would look like. Would there be enough evidence in our life presented at that trial that we sincerely love others as God loves us? Would there be enough fruit to show you definitely love people? Greater love has no man than this, and a man would lay down his life for his friends. Let's make sure that we're encouraged that we, the, and challenged that we carry out these two points because, again, we see a, a great, such a great contrast between that early church, Paul and that missionary team, and, and, and the, the mission that they were living life on. And, and what we see today, maybe even in our own lives, sitting in this room, standing on this stage. Let's make sure that, that, that these two things, that we ensure that our actions clarify our motives, that we have right motives, that we are committed, that we are consistent, that we're courageous, and that our care is evident in everything that we do. And again, if we have right motives, those things will be evident. Why are you always here? Why are you always serving? Why are you always giving? Why, are you, why, why, are you, why does it never fail that you're doing what you're doing and you're always consistent in those things? It should be because of love that God has shared abroad. Why are you always sharing the gospel? Why are you always looking to share the gospel? Because of the love of God that he shed abroad in your heart. It's a motive, having the right motive. And again, the genuine expression of love being given Ask the musicians to make their way. I want to encourage you tonight. Maybe if something spoke to you and said, you know what, I'm that person that you were talking about. I'm the person that is thinking more about me than I am about others when it comes to the gospel. Every time I want to, I want to share with my coworker. I want to share with my friend. I want to share with, with, with my family member. I want to share with that stranger. And every time I go back to thinking about me, how embarrassed and secure, all those things that I, and I don't think about the fact that they're a lost, possibly a lost soul. I don't think about them. And I want that to change. I want to think about them. And, and I, I want love to be expressed in my life, in my giving. Giving my time, my talent, my church. I want to. I want to give to God. I want to give to others. I just want my life to be a living sacrifice, pleasing unto God. And I, I believe that it's possible. I believe that there, the, the gap between what we see in the first church and what we see today in American Christianity, I think the gap can close. But it takes real people, like you and I, sitting in this room, standing on this stage, making a decision. I've got the same Holy Spirit. You've got the same Holy Spirit. It's the same love that motivated Paul and his team. It's, 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 it's available, it's there, if we have the same Holy Spirit. We've just got to get out of the flesh. And we've got to start walking in the Spirit. We've got to start yielding, maybe repenting. God, I'm sorry. I'm living my life for me. And I need to stop. Whatever the case is, I pray you're challenged and encouraged. I know I've been in this message Um, studying for it and even preaching again tonight. And I pray that you are. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for uh, the correction that you give us in your word. Thank you for uh, the challenges that you give us. Thank you for the conviction. Thank you for the encouragement that you give us, even in all those things, knowing that you're not giving up on us. You're not okay with us just 
cruising along with the status quo. Lord, you give us your word. You give us examples in your word. You give us examples of people around us in our lives even of what a passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ looked like. Lord, you give us a great example of, of living lives as living sacrifices. And I pray you'd start with me, that you would, you would go throughout this room, every single one of your children, Lord, that that's what our lives would look like, living sacrifices, that our lives would be lives of love being expressed through our giving in every way, every area of our life. I praise you for what you do, Lord. We ask you to just move now in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.